0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from Monclova Road Baptist Church. For more information about this message and the ministries of Monclova Road Baptist Church, please visit monclovabaptist.org. Amen. Take your Bibles with me this morning and turn to Galatians chapter number 6 if you would please. Galatians chapter chapter number 6. We're going to look in the passage of scripture, very very simple passage of scripture. Paul is writing to the church of Galatians here in chapter 6. I want to, on purpose, preach this message. You know, as we get into what they call the holiday season between Thanksgiving and Christmas, a lot of us make decisions. A lot of us make decisions where we realize the decisions we made come January, uh, we have to pay for, right? We. Get credit card statements and bills that come in and the decisions we made are so are so very important because the decisions we made always have a consequence or they always have a what the Bible here in chapter six calls it a reaping. We sow and we reap. It's a principle, it's a law uh, that the Lord is going to give us here in Galatians chapter six. So if you'll follow along with me verse, number 6 Galatians 6 verse number 6 let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things in verse number 7 i want you to pay close attention to because paul says to this church be not deceived god is not mocked for whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And he goes on to say in verse 10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. Father, would you help us today, I pray, as we look into your word, I pray that you would, uh, Lord, bless the preaching of it, that you would use this not just as Knowledge, but Lord, I pray that we would have application in our lives so we would know how to better serve you. So Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you teach us and help us to understand something about God that we uh, maybe didn't realize, didn't know, or uh, we have forgotten. So draw us close to our Heavenly Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. You know, some of the simplest some of the simplest principles in the Bible the uh, Bible although they seem simple they're very complex they can help us this passage of scripture is a very simple passage of scripture we have several farmers in our church and they would tell us this whatever they put into the ground is what comes out right we have we have several one one in the bowling green area he plants lots and lots of acreage. And if he puts a uh, corn into the ground, you know what he gets out? Corn. If he puts soybean in the ground, you know what he gets out? Soybean. We have another fellow that plants lots of acreage up in Michigan. And you know what he puts into the ground? If he wants corn, he puts corn into the ground. If he wants to do a soybean field, you know what he puts into the ground? Soybeans. If he does something other than that, you know what he's going to get? What he put into the ground. He didn't he's never put never put corn into the ground and then when harvest time comes, I was upset because he had an apple orchard. Never happened. Never put soybeans in the ground and got upset because he got corn. He understands that what he puts in or what he sows is what's going to come out or what he's going to reap. We understand that. It's very simple. We understand that thinking when we speak of corn or soybeans or apples or oranges. Our daughter, our youngest daughter, Chloe, she is beginning to understand those things. And so she, uh, we had watermelon this summer, and she asked, what water, where watermelon comes from. And as she's spitting those black seeds out of her mouth under a plate, we tell her they come from those seeds. And so she gathered everybody's seed that night from watermelon and she dug a little hole and she put about 500 watermelon seeds into this one little hole in our backyard. And then she'd go out and she'd put water on it and she would ask, when am I gonna get watermelon? And um, I would say, not today. And she'd go out the next day and the next day. And I'm glad that after three or four days, her little mind uh, forgot what she was doing because I didn't want 500 watermelon vines growing in her backyard. And so don't tell her this, but after she forgot about it, I went and dug them all up. (laughs) Don't tell my neighbor this. I threw them all in his yard. No, I didn't do that. I didn't want watermelon seeds because I knew this. If we plant them, that's what's going to come. We understand that when it comes to farming. We understand that when it comes to to, uh, uh, gardening. We need to understand that when it comes to our life. And Paul here is going to speak to this church very basic. But it's something I believe that every single Christian needs to get and understand. Because if I asked us this, how many of you want a godly marriage? Everyone would say, that's me. How many of you want to raise godly young people? Everyone would say, that's me. If I said, how many of you want to have a wonderful, great, godly relationship where you're growing in the Lord and thriving in His work and the blessings of God? Every one of us, I would think, would say, that's exactly what I desire. But what we must realize is this, it takes more than a desire to get something. A farmer could sit back and say, I would love a thousand acres of corn. Wouldn't that be wonderful, honey? As he sits in his chair, looks out on these fields and says, isn't it going to be wonderful? A thousand acres of corn. Oh, the, the, the needs are going to be met and, and people are going to be fed. What a wonderful harvest we're going to have. I can't wait for it to come as he's sitting on his sofa. She'd look at him and say this, you better put it in the ground. And we as Christians can sit and say, I want this, I desire this, but just desiring it doesn't bring it. Sowing it is what brings the harvest, what brings the reaping. And so I want you to look at this with me, this passage of Scripture. I'm going to give you just several points here this morning that I pray that would help us. I want you to write this down, number one, just very basic very, very basic. In verse number 7, look with me and then write this down. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Write this down. Number one is this. All people sow. All people sow. Now you say that's pretty basic, and, 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 and I, I understand that. Then I want us to really get that today. Every single person here in this room, you're sowing something. You're putting something into your life. Sowing, we plant, we act. With our actions, we're sowing. Every single person here today, you've already sown something into your life. You've already sown something into your marriage today. You've already sown something in the life of your children today. You've already sown something. You came to church. You've had conversations. You've acted this morning. You've already sown something that some point you're going to reap. Every single person. Every single person sows. You, when you respond to someone, you're sowing. When you speak to someone, you're sowing. When you, when, you, when you keep your word with someone, you're sowing. Every action, every word, everything you do, you're sowing into your life you're sowing into your relationships. When you behave, whether good or bad, you're sowing. You could behave in a way that's godly and you're going to sow godliness and what you're going to reap then is godliness out of the situation. If you behave in an ill way, if you behave in an ungodly way, then you're sowing that into your life and you're going to reap Whatever you sow, it's a biblical principle here that God has set and that God is in control over, and it's true, and therefore, this every single person, you're sowing something in your life. You're sowing something. Every day of our life, every day of our life, we are sowing. Whether you like it or not, whether you realize it or not, you're sowing. How I speak to my wife, I'm sewing. I can make deposits of great return into my marriage, or I can get myself in a whole lot of trouble. And as I told the first service, you guys help me get in trouble. I ask, is my wife in the room? You say no. I tell you, and you go and tell her. You're not helping me. (laughs) But you can sew, you're sewing. My wife went away on Tuesday of this past week, and and um, she wanted to see her her parents. And, and like many in our church, you know, there's somebody missing in your family that is due to death, and so it's difficult. And, and those times, especially Thanksgiving and Christmas and birthdays and anniversaries, those are special times that it just really, you really miss that person because they're absent. And so my wife is very considerate of that with her parents, and so she went down a couple days early before Thanksgiving to be with her parents, and stayed a couple days later than I stayed. And and, uh, my wife, she is a good wife, a wife that leaves early and lets me come late and leave early at my in-laws. She's a wonderful wife, isn't she? Amen, men? Amen. Amen. (laughs) So she left on Tuesday, and I met her down there for Thanksgiving, and I left on Friday, and she's going to leave after church this afternoon. She wants to spend time with her family. But I'll tell you what, I miss her. I don't like it when she's gone. And so Tuesday, she, she left, and Tuesday night, I, I already started missing her by Tuesday night. She wasn't even gone a night yet. And so we talked back and forth, and I sent her a couple texts back and forth, and, and uh, I, I noticed, and I realized this, and sometimes when I, she's not there, I, I remember, you know, I said to her Tuesday, I truly want to be a godly husband to you. That was my desire. And I told her, I just wanted her to know that. You know, those are sowing things into my marriage. Sowing things. Because if I truly desire to be a godly husband, then I must sow things into my life where that is what's reaped out of that relationship. And so Tuesday night she's away, and you know what I must realize this: that even though she's not here, I still must sow godly things into my relationship, because even if she's not around, what I sow is going to come out in my marriage at some point. This past, this past Friday, before I left Cincinnati to come home, I met with my son, and what well, I can't believe, I can't believe how quickly children grow up. So my son asked if I'd have breakfast with him. So we went out for a couple hours and, and had breakfast together and talked about his future and talked about things he's going to do and, he, and he's going to join the National Guard and, and maybe this upcoming week go off to, to his, his uh, testing. And, and I thought to myself, I, I remember when this guy that I'm sitting across the table from now and listening about his future, I remember when he was born. It seemed like he was born yesterday and today I'm having this conversation about his future. I mean it was just yesterday that that they, they, they we had the ultrasound and, and my wife was there on the table and they're doing that ultrasound they our first child and and, and we're just a you know a few months into this this marriage and and uh, parents for the first time and you know young and and, and and naive and but but boy, this is our baby, and we find out it's a boy, and I'll never forget that wonderful day I was praying that God would give me a boy, my wife's there on the table and that ultrasound it's a boy, I push her off that table. I jumped on that table and I mean I was all excited and then I apologized and put her back up on the table and said doc go ahead finish doing what you're doing but I was so excited it seemed it seemed like that was just yesterday and here he is today and many of you know that feeling I sat across from him and I thought to myself he's going to be what I've sown into his life Sowing. Every single person sows. The point is, this morning, every one of us are sowing. But I want you to look with me in Galatians chapter number 6, verse 7. Galatians 6, our text verse here this morning, reads this. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. The first part of this verse, the Bible says, be not deceived. God is not deceived. You know what he's saying there is this, this principle, this law that God has set in place, don't be deceived. It's true and it's always going to be true. Now, if I stood here at this platform and I said this, I am going to jump off of this platform and I'm going to wish and I'm going to hope and I'm going to pray that as I jump, I go up. How many of you have any confidence at all that if I jump, I'm going up? How many of you would agree I'm going down? Why is that? Because the law of what? Doesn't matter what I think doesn't matter if I agree or if I disagree with the law of gravity. The reality is this. It's a law, and it is going to happen. If I'm driving through Perrysburg and I, I, I run a stop sign, Joe Ball, it doesn't matter if I believe in stop signs or not. If you see me, he's going to pull me over. Now, if I say, Officer Ball, it doesn't really matter because I don't believe in stop signs. He's going to say, I don't care what you believe in. Here's a ticket. Policeman's Ball I'm going to invite you to. I could say to him, I don't believe in tickets. He's going to say, sign right here. If you don't like it, see the judge. I don't believe in the judge. He's going to say, it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what you like. I could say, I don't like stop signs. I don't like tickets. I don't like judges. And he's going to say, I don't care. It's a law, and a law you can't change. The same thing is what Paul is saying here. Be not deceived. Don't, don't, Don't be deceived. What you put into your life is what's going to come out. If you want a godly life, you've got to put in godliness. If you want a godly marriage, you've got to put in godliness. If you want to raise godly children, you've got to sow those godly things. Because if you try to do it any other way, whether you like it or not, you're not going to get what you desire. And Paul is saying here, be not deceived. You know, as I see that word deceive, you know who I think of? Satan, he is a great deceiver. You know what Satan will get you to think? That's not true. Listen to me, Christian. Satan is going to get you to believe. He's going to get you to think that this law doesn't apply to you. Listen to me. I'm I'm trying to help you today. He's going to make you believe that you can have God's blessings by sowing whatever you want into your life. God's still going to bless you. He's going to say to you, listen to me, I know, I know that uh, uh, you ought to sow godliness in your children, but money is so important and you need to work several jobs and you need to supply for them. And that's more important. And, And listen, before you know it, your kids are going to be raised and you're not going to invest in them. You're not going to have time in their life. You're not going to sow things in your life because you've been so busy. And he's going to deceive you thinking that's the important thing. He's going to deceive you thinking this, that you can put whatever you want into your marriage. And it really doesn't matter because as you, you, you can live whatever life you choose to live. And But the, the law says this, whatever you put in is what's going to come out. Whatever you put in your relationship with the Lord is going to come out. We want to have a relationship with the Lord, but we don't want to open our Bible. We want to have a relationship with the Lord, but we don't want to pray. Paul says, Don't be deceived. Don't listen. Don't listen to the great deceiver. Don't believe that you could do and live however you want to live and it's all going to work out. No, what you put into your marriage is what's going to come out. What you put into your relationship with the Lord is what's going to come out. What you put into your church membership, that's what's going to come out. There's no other way. So he's warning us. He says, Don't be deceived, don't listen to Satan. What you sow and you're always sowing and everyone sows brings us to point number two. All of us reap. All of us sow and all of us reap. Now, stay with me because this applies to every single person. You know, there are some messages I preach that you could look at the person next to you and say, This is for you. Are you listening? There are some messages I preach. You could say, "Yep, that person's not here today. They sure needed this." They, you could say, "Well, my spouse, she's teaching. He's teaching. They're in the nursery, or they're serving, or they're sick. Boy, I wish they were here. They really need this." This one is for you. I want you to look at yourself right now. Look, look at the person. Actually, look at the person next to you and say, "This one's for you." Go ahead. Go ahead. This is for everybody. Because every single person sows and every single person reaps. And listen to me this morning, hear me this morning. Reap, what do you mean by reap? You get the result of what you've sown, you will get out what you put in. You reap. If you take and you plant a whole field of corn, you know what you're going to reap? Whole field of corn. You're not going to reap anything else. You're going to reap corn. You're going to reap what you have sown. Not only are you going to reap, you're also going to reap more than you've sown. Hosea 8, 7 says this, they sowed the wind and they reaped the whirlwind. Listen to me, sometimes people reap something, they put something into it, and they don't realize this, but what I put into it, I'm going to get a whole lot more out of it. And so instead of reaping positive things, instead of reaping good things, if you say, you know what, I'm going to just put this into my life, but nobody's going to know, and and nobody's going to do it, and nobody's going to care, and and nobody's going to see it, and I'm going to keep this private, I want you to know this, that you might think it's done in private, you might think that nobody's going to find out, but what you put into it may even come out more than you ever thought would come out. You put a little seed in the ground. The stalk of corn becomes, on that stalk of corn, there's a whole lot more corn than that one little seed you put into the ground. I'm not a farmer, but I've seen some of these soybean fields. You know, they put a little soybean into the ground, and you ever see the amount of soybeans on a soybean plant? Are they plants? Bush, tree, whatever you call them. You ever see the amount? You ever walk up to one and see how many soybeans are on that? You know what? You sow, and sometimes you reap even more than you thought you'd sow. Hosea, I sowed the wind, and I reaped the whirlwind. Some of us think this. You know, uh, uh, I want you to consider this. A farmer goes out at night, and nobody's there, and nobody sees him, and he puts corn into the ground. You know what's going to come out? A whole harvest of corn. A farmer, same farmer goes out during the day and he plants that where everyone sees him. You know what it comes out? Exactly what he put in. The things done at night when nobody's around, it still comes out in harvest, it still becomes what you reap. You say this, I'm going to sow this into my life and nobody's going to know and nobody's going to see it and it's not going to affect me. I want you to know this just because nobody knows it, just because no one sees it, it might come out to be even greater than you ever thought it would be. Maybe it's something negative. Maybe it's something, something that you shouldn't. Maybe it's something positive. Maybe you say this, I'm just going to sow one by one. I'm going to be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to be sharing the gospel and, and giving the gospel and just, just seed by seed putting it in people's lives and telling others about Jesus. You never know. You never know of that one that gets saved, what God could do with that life. I think of the one that won, maybe a, a D.L. Moody the Lord, a great evangelist where thousands of people were saved. Or maybe, maybe a Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the one, a great prince of preachers that got saved and would preach to 10,000 people every Sunday and preach the gospel and scores and scores in England were saved because of the preaching of the gospel. Here's one person who was faithful to witness to one man and you never know what God can do with that one person. It's a principle. What you sow, everybody reaps. Everybody. All people reap. We not only reap, we reap more than we sow, we reap what we sow. Do you ever look out into a field? You ever look out into a soybean field? And in the middle of that soybean field, there's a couple stalks of, of corn. You ever see that? It's not because the seed got confused and became corn. it's not because that soybean, field, that soybean seed rebelled and said, I'm going to be corn. No, you know what happened? There was corn. And even in the midst of a soybean field, the, the, there's a kernel of corn that got planted and a stalk came out. You know why? Because what you plant always comes out. It's principle. That is why I believe this. It's so important what we plant. It's so important what we sow because the principle is this. Whatever you put in is what will come out. We must realize that we cannot break the law of God and get away with it. Listen, don't let me lose you here today. Please get this principle. As I said, this will change you. This is for every single person here in this room. What you sow is what's going to come out. You can't get around that law. We try and we fail. You can't ignore it, it still exists. You can't dislike it, it still exists. You all sow and we all reap. I want you to see with me in verse number eight. The Bible says this: "Be not deceived; God is not mocked." And it goes into verse number eight: "For he that soweth to his flesh shall the flesh reap corruption." So, what is he saying? If you sow, if you plant flesh into your life, you're going to reap corruption. Now, remember this, as Paul wrote this book, Paul didn't write it with chapters and verses. When Paul wrote this letter, this letter was, was read as a letter that you and I would receive or write to each other. And so sometimes when we study the Bible, we get to chapter number six and we forget what chapter number five talked about. But chapter number six has everything to do with what chapter number five says. And so when he gets to this verse, and he says, I want you to be cautious. I want you to understand. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever you sow, whatever you put in your life is what's going to come out. And he says, if you sow to the flesh, you're of the flesh going to reap corruption. He says this. So if you apply flesh, if you listen to your flesh, if you obey your flesh, you know what's going to come out? Corruption. What's he speaking about? I want you to go back to chapter number 5 in verse number 19. Look with me. In verse number 19, he says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. He goes on to say this, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such alike. He says this, these are all the things that your flesh desires. How many of you, how many of you in about an hour or so after you had Thanksgiving dinner, something inside of you said, I'm hungry. Anybody? I was sitting at my in-laws house, minding my own business, enjoyed dinner, sitting on the couch, watching a game and something inside of me said, you want more turkey. Anybody else, something inside of you said the same thing? You want more, just me, you, me and you, me and Scott. I mean, I'm sitting there and it said, you want more turkey. I said, okay, I want more turkey. I listened to that still small voice inside of me, and it wasn't the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I got up, and I went to the refrigerator, and I opened the refrigerator, and there it was, turkey. And then something inside of me said, you want more than turkey, you want stuffing, and you want mashed potatoes, and you want to look behind the milk. There might be some cranberries left back there. And I'm looking, I had myself a plate full of food, just like I did about an hour before that. A couple hours later, I'm sitting doing the same thing, minding my own business. And that voice came back and said, You want more turkey? And I said, I can't. If I do, my wife is going to, I'm arguing with myself on the couch. No, you can't. This will lead to your wife getting upset. And that flesh said to me, Who do you love more, me or your wife? I found myself in that kitchen again, looking in that door. You want turkey? I said, no. My wife came in, and she said no. She shut that refrigerator door. What I'm simply saying is this. Our flesh controls us, doesn't it? Our flesh tells us what we want. Our flesh dictates, you desire this, you want this, you have to have this. And what Paul is saying this, go ahead, if that's what you want, and that's what you sow, know this, that's what you're going to get. So Friday I go to put my jeans on and they didn't fit. And I said, Michelle, did you wash my jeans in hot water again? They just fit on Wednesday and I can't put them on on Friday. And she says, I haven't washed them at all this week. He says, remember the turkey. Listen, what I'm simply saying is this. Our flesh controls us. Our flesh desires it. And if we feed our flesh, if we desire the things that Paul says, this is what your flesh desires. And if you feed yourself these things, if you sow these things in your life, listen to me, what's going to come out is always going to be corruption. Whenever your flesh controls you, whenever you feed that flesh, whenever you decide to let your flesh dictate what you're going to do and where you're going to go and what you're going to say and what you're going to think, It always leads to corruption. You can say I want a godly marriage but if you let your flesh control you it's not going to lead to a godly marriage it's going to lead to corruption. You can say I want to raise godly children but if you let your flesh control you it's not going to lead to that it's going to lead to corruption. You can say, I want a relationship with the Lord. I want to be right with the Lord. I want to have his power. I want to have his blessings. I want to know what it is to dwell with the Lord. But if you put flesh into your life, if you sow that in your life, you're never going to get out what you say you desire. A man cannot put fleshly decisions into his life and reap Godliness. Paul says this. I want you to see this. I want you to understand this. For he that soweth to his flesh shall the flesh reap corruption. If you put that into your heart, if you put that into your life, if you put that into your relationships... You say, no, 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 no. I can do this for a time. I can put this and I can keep it separate. No, no, no. I can have this. I can do this. No, no, no. I can control this. What you're saying is this. God, your law doesn't apply to me. What you say is a principle. It doesn't apply to me. And I want you to know this. Just because you think it doesn't apply, just because you dislike it, just because you ignore it, doesn't mean that God's law is wrong. If you sow... Flesh, you are going to reap flesh, reap corruption. Paul says this, everybody sows and everybody reaps. Once we put it into motion, it's going to bring a reaping. Once you put it into motion, it's going to come out. Oh, listen to me, church. You say, boy, that, that's tough. What's upsetting you? What's causing you to preach this? I'm just preaching this. One, is because the word of God tells us it. Number two, this is something that applies to every single person here in this church. This year you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna make decisions when it comes to Christmas. And some summer you're gonna make wise decisions, some you're gonna make decisions that you're not gonna regret. Others, you're gonna make decisions, you're gonna pour money and finances into things, thinking, thinking this is gonna buy happiness or thinking this is gonna buy joy, only to find out that when, when January comes, all the bills come. And then you're sorrowful for the decisions you make. Listen to me, some are working so hard and working two, three, four jobs to try to try to give their family material things. Listen to me, listen to me, dads, your family doesn't need material fa- uh, things. Your families need you. Greg and I, we were at a breakfast a couple weeks ago. And they had these, these football players, five from Bowling Green and five from Toledo. And they asked these, these, these players, all, five, all 10 of them, they were saved. All, of, all 10 of them had great testimonies. All 10 of them talked about Christ and how he changed their life and how they're believers in him. All 10 of them, uh, I respected all 10 of these for the decisions that they made. Living in a, going to school on a secular campus, playing football uh, on, a, on a secular uh, a campus. Boy, th- th- those are a lot of temptations. And it's difficult to stand out for Christ. And I applaud those men for that. But as we listened to their testimonies, some of the questions that were asked, who has influenced your life the most? And every one of them, but maybe one, they said, my mom. My mom, when I was a child, got me up for church and took me to church and made sure I went to church. And my mom right now, she texts me every week and and, and supports me and loves me and tells me, keep it going and stay faithful and stay true to Jesus. And man, what a wonderful, I wanted to meet all of their moms. What a wonderful Christian their mothers must be. When I got all finished, as the whole thing concluded, what I realized was this. Not one of them said their dad. Not one of them said their dad was a godly role model influenced in to serve Christ. Not one of them said my dad texts me and calls me and encourages me to stay faithful to the Lord. Not one of them said my dad is the greatest Christian role model that I've ever seen and I thank God for him. Not one of them. listen to me christian uh, fathers christian husbands listen to me be the role model that god has called you to be be the be the role model to your children that you're supposed to be we're so busy working and so busy doing our own thing God's given you a child, invest in their life, love them, nourish them, raise them the love of God, put things in their life that, that sow things that cause them to love your God. I sat across from my son this past Friday as we ate breakfast together. Those thoughts came across my mind. I don't want to make excuses. I want to be the husband I want to be the father that God asked me to be and requires for me to be but it takes me sewing it takes an investment before you know it, they're gone and Satan will have you think that's not important Satan will have you think that that doesn't matter. Satan will have you think that, 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 that uh, a father and a mother isn't required to raise a, a child. Satan will have you think that it's okay. Listen to me, I want you to understand, fathers, it's not okay. God put you in their life. Be the godly role model that God wants you to be. Invest in their life. Encourage them. Sow things into their lives doesn't matter if you have the same thing in common. Spend time with them. Point them to Jesus. Pray with your children. Memorize scripture with your children. Open up the word of God. Have devotions with your children. But sow something godly into their life. That's what's wrong with society. Several of us men were driving yesterday coming back from a football game and we were talking about this and. The breakdown in society. Men aren't stepping up and being the men that God wants them to be. And society, society would say, you know what? Uh, it's okay. Women, women, women can take charge. Women can do things. And listen, to me, I, I know if a woman has to do it, she has to do it. But sometimes a woman has to do it because a man's not godly enough to do it. Shame on you, man. Men will be leading their homes, sowing into their homes godliness. Your children ought to look up to you and say, we're, we're serving God because God, because dad is the godly example that the Bible tells me should be. A wife ought to look to you and say, We're serving God because my husband is a godly example that God desires for him to be. I believe this, it's time men in our society start sowing godliness into the relationships. We've skirted the issue so much. We've let our wives make decisions that it's up to the man to make. We've let our wives uh, uh, deal with discipline and deal with the homes because the men aren't doing what they're supposed to do. And we're not sowing godliness. And listen to me, what it's done is it's affected this generation and not for the good. I talk to business owners and they say this, I can't get this generation to work. It's getting quiet on me. Just, just I really want to help us. I want us to he- I want to help us today. Because we live in this world, but we don't have to be of this world. We can raise, we can have godly homes. We can raise godly children. We can have godly families. We can be a lighthouse. We don't have to look at the demise of this world and the ruin of this world and say, what do you expect? What well, I would say this, I expect to apply the principle that God applies. I say, listen, all the neighbors around me are living a certain way and all the society is saying this is okay. And all the society is saying it's okay to drink and it's okay for drugs. It's okay to, to, to run around on my wife. It's all right to, to, to whatever I want. Just live your life however you want to live. Listen to me. You can live that way. But if you sow that in your life, you're going to reap corruption, the Bible says. the same would be true if I sow godliness in my life it doesn't matter what the rest of society is doing I can still raise godly children in my home but I've got to sow that it doesn't matter what society is doing and what's happening in marriages I can still be a godly husband how? by sowing godliness into that relationship pastors all over the country are falling I, I have one that writes me letters every couple months. He's sitting in a prison in Kentucky. Pastoring, and now he sits 10 years, he got a 10-year sentence because he had a relationship with a 16-year-old girl in this church. And that's story after story after story. And I can say, what do you, what do you expect? Pastors all around, they're falling. What do you expect from me? Just because pastors all around are falling doesn't give me a reason to fall. What I must do is I must put godliness decisions. I must sow godliness into my life. I must sow godliness into my, into my pastor. I must sow godliness into my decision-making. I must sow godliness into my relationship with my wife. I must sow godliness in the relationship with my children. I must sow godliness into my relationship with Him, so I don't have to fall. I don't have to be like the world. I can stand in this wicked day. I can stand and have a relation with the Lord. I can have a godly marriage. I can raise godly children. How? by sowing godliness into those relationships. Because what you sow, you're going to reap. So many Christians think they can live however they want to live and get away with it. Christian, what's sown in darkness is going to reap in the light. Well, listen to me, I'm speaking to you right now. That you're doing something that you think is hidden and nobody knows it's there. You're sowing. And you may be sowing in secret. And you might think that nobody knows. You might think that nobody is going to find out. But I'm telling you this what you sow, you're going to reap. You go to work and you flirt with that person you work with. Listen to me, that's not going to cause you to have a godly marriage. You're sowing destruction to your marriage. You wait till everyone goes to sleep and you wait till your spouse is asleep. You wait till your children are asleep. Or maybe you're alone and you think that nobody's going to find out and you get on that pornography and you start lusting and you start letting that pornography control you and you say, nobody knows. It's in the secret of my own room or the secret of my own office. My family doesn't know. My spouse doesn't know. My children doesn't know. My employer doesn't know. You're sowing something into your life and eventually, my friend, it's going to come out. It's going to bear. You're going to reap. You sow those unkind words. You know what's going to come out? Unkind marriage. You know, they say this. You tell a child he's dumb long enough, you know what he's going to become? What you tell him. Even if he's the smartest kid. You tell a child they're ugly long enough, you know what they think they are? Ugly. Even if they're the most beautiful child. Because what you've done is you've sown words into their life, and eventually those words are going to come out and they're going to bear fruit, and they're going to reap, and what you've sown is what you're going to get out. That ought to cause you to be careful what you say. I was talking to my wife this week. I told her, I said, I want to be a godly husband. I want to be a godly dad. I want to I want I want them to look at me and say he's leading our home in a godly path. That means this, I have got to be careful what I deposit into my family. I got to be careful what I say. Words hurt, don't they? You know that old saying, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Whoever made that up lied. Because most people here can remember something that was said to you at a young age that hurt you, that wounded you, that scarred you, and you've never forgotten it. Somebody sowed something in your life, and what was reaped wasn't pleasant. What have you said today? What have your actions sown today? Because everybody reaps and everybody sows. The sooner I decide that his way is going to be my way, the better off I'm going to be. The sooner I decide that I'm going to sow into my life godly things, as soon as I decide that what God desires for my life, I'm not going to give into my flesh. I'm not going to let my flesh control me. I'm not going to let my flesh influence me. I'm not going to go the way of the flesh. And all of the things he spoke about, beginning in verse number 19, I'm not going to allow those things in my life. I'm going to resist those things. How am I going to resist those things? By sowing godly things into my life. You know, sometimes we need to stop looking at other people. We need to realize I have a personal accountability with God. Every single one of us, you're going to stand before God and you're going to give an account of what you've sowed. Every one of you husbands, you're going to give an account of what you've sowed. Every one of you wives, you're going to give an account of what you've sowed. Every child is going to give an account, every single person. We need to realize this. That's why I said to you, don't say, this is for someone else. This is for, boy, this person. No, this message is for us. We are going to stand before God one day, and we're going to give an account of all the relationships that we've had, of all the blessings that we've been given, of all the things God has given to us. We are going to give an account of what we did and how we sowed into those. Church, how are you doing? We're going to give a person accountability to God. If there's a life that could be lived, where God would honor it and bless it, do you want to live that life? I do. If God wants to bless a life, want to be blessed God says I'm going to honor a life I want to live that life but it takes us realizing that what we sow is what we're going to reap lastly I want you to see this verse number 9 my time is done He says this, and let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I want to encourage you as you're sowing, don't get impatient. I've talked to a couple of the farmers in our church, and springtime they get real busy. And I'll joke around with them. I'll say, so what are you doing this summer? And they'll say, just watching the corn grow. but it's about ready to get real busy come fall. Not one of them ever said, Yeah, I think I'm going to go on the tractor this June and just start driving through the field. Harvesting what I planted last month. Takes time, takes patience. He says this, don't get weary in well doing. Sometimes what we sow, we want the result of that right away. I was nice to Scott. He should be nice to me tomorrow. I did this. I like blessings, God. I'm sowing. I'm sowing into this relationship. And it just doesn't seem like I'm getting the response back. I'm sowing into this marriage. It just doesn't seem like I'm getting the response back. I'm sowing into my children. It doesn't seem like they're responding. I'm sowing, God. All right, God, enough's enough. I'm tired of sowing. It doesn't seem like the harvest is coming. It doesn't seem like what I'm reaping, what I'm sowing. Lord, it's discouraging and I'm doing right and it seems like the world is benefiting and they're doing wrong and it seems like I'm trying to serve you and it seems like I'm trying to be faithful and it just seems like I'm the one that's always failing in the Bible here. Paul says, I want you to understand something. Please, as we speak about this, as we speak about sowing, as we speak about about, uh, reaping, I want you not to get weary in well-doing. Don't get tired of doing right. Don't get tired. Because it seems like the more I do right, the world does wrong. If you're not careful, you get to the place where you say, I don't care anymore. Tired of doing right. I'm I'm tired of staying faithful. And this guy that's unfaithful, it seems like he has all the rewards. No, no, no. Listen to me, Christian. Your reward's coming one day. I'm tired of staying faithful at work and doing right at work. I come in when I'm supposed to come in. I leave when I'm supposed to leave. I work hard the entire time. And these guys, they come in late. They leave early. They take advantage. And it seems like they get it. No, listen to me. Don't get weary, Christian. But Paul is saying don't stop doing good because it's time don't stop doing right because it seems like everyone else is getting ahead listen to me right is right and what you sow is what you're going to reap stop don't don't get don't let Satan deceive you into thinking that it'd be better to live like a ruined world lives no stay faithful husband stay faithful dad stay faithful wife stay faithful child of god stay faithful when it seems like everyone else is benefiting and it seems like you just can't make ends meet stay faithful, don't get weary, because in due season you will reap. You're going to stand before God one day. You say, I don't understand this person's wrong. I mean, it seems like they get away with it. It seems like this person cheats all the time, and they get ahead. It seems like this person lies constantly, and they get their way. It seems like those that do wrong benefit, and those that do right Nothing happens. It's almost like Paul says this. I know you would say this. I knew what you were going to say. I knew you were going to say that if I keep doing what I'm doing, if I keep sowing, but it seems like nothing's happening. So before you go there, just listen. God's in control. Stay faithful. because God gives the harvest. And listen to me, it might not be on this side, but each and every one of us are going to stand before an almighty God at the judgment seat of Christ. And I desire for me, and I desire for my family, and I desire for every single person in our church to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Don't keep your, get your eyes off of eternity. So many Christians get their eyes off eternity and we start living for the flesh. So spiritual, so godliness. Invest in godly things. Don't quit. One day, we'll see Jesus. One day, we'll be with him for all of eternity.